Welcome to the Glorio Chat, the best anime podcast on the internet. My apologies to everyone out there that we are recording this episode a week late. This is going to be the final thoughts on the spring 2023 season. And unfortunately, I was traveling during the last Suleta Sunday and most of this past week. So uh, we did not get a chance to give our final thoughts yet, but... I am, I'm putting this on tape. We are going to try to do back-to-back weeks for the podcast to catch up. So we're going to get this one out. And uh, next next week, we're going to do our first looks for the summer season. Which <laughs> Yeah, don't, wor- don't worry, folks. We'll have your hard-hitting takes on summer 2023 if you think these podcasts run too long then we have a treat for you um, yeah <laughs> spoilers it's a little looking a little grim but you know you of course you can always go check out our written posts on at the, the gloryoblog.com uh in the meantime but we will be getting to the, the new shows we promise but we got to talk about the spring shows and uh before we do that I'll introduce everybody. I'm Jell. We're joined by Iroh. I'm still here. I'm not dead yet. Still with us. We're joined by G. I gotta say, the the quotient of crazy kids making it in this messed up world is off the charts this season. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. That is one way to look at it. I mean, by this season, you mean last season, right? Fine, last season. <laughs> the season that we're presently going to be talking about today. Yes. yes. In July. Yes, we are here to talk about spring 2023 in, in July, the middle of uh, July. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we're also joined by Zig. The obligatory option when nobody else feels like Sean. <laughs> we value your opinions greatly, Zig, and your uh-huh. sacrifice for toughing out the heat and staying up late. That no, no, Zig, us. you gotta, uh, you, 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 you gotta, you gotta change your branding. You got, you know, you should call yourself the option select. You know, like, oh, like okay. we don't, we don't always know if the overhead is going to come after the mix-up, but there's always the chance. Yeah, you guys have been playing way too much Street Fighter these days, but um, you haven't been playing yeah. enough Street Fighter. Yeah, well, <laughs> let's 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 keep it on anime here, sure, and. Sure. Uh, you know, talk about these shows, which I feel like this season we got a lot of good shows that most of them struggle to hold themselves together to the finish line. <laughs> but there was, I, kind of, there was kind of a glass ceiling that nobody really smashed through. Right? We, we, uh, well, we, there's there's yeah. one show on this list. Okay, though. yeah. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> we, we, I think we but mostly I'll, I'll that later. mostly got there to varying degrees, but it was a little shaky toward the end on I, a lot of yeah. these, but. I um, think my general feeling on the season as a whole, barring some of the like really egregious offenders here, is that I think, yeah, like if I'm being honest, I don't think any show on, I, I think all but one show on this list arguably finishes weaker than it started, but I think a lot of them, it's a rough landing, but I think a lot of them do manage to land the plane in the end. It's just... And, and also, I, I would say that like, what we like the slate of shows we're going to talk about represent like an interesting and varied selection of 
different types and styles and subjects, right? And and that's good. You know, I would rather have a lot of interesting, messy shows than competent, boring ones for the most for part. For sure. You know? uh, yeah, I think it's a net positive overall. It's just, man, we we barely made it <laughs> on some of these. <laughs> so let's get into specifics, though. And sure. Kick us we'll off. S- uh, we'll start with my love story with Yamada Kun at level 999. Uh, we had one final twist in the arc here, which I started to mention before, but Yamada's classmate, who of course is also in love with him, kind of makes her move in this final stretch. She's the serious glasses girl who is, which is legally distinct from the shy glasses girl, I have to point out. Uh-huh, serious, uh-huh. Yes, serious glasses girl is just mm-hmm. a, a lady who is a lady of few words, basically. But uh, yeah, she... She makes her move, and it, it's kind of uh, it's kind of nice that they never play this as like oh the big threat to the main relationship or whatever. Like everybody knows what's going on, even she knows what's going on. She just kind of wants to get it off her chest, I guess. And you know, she has her big confession to Yamada, and he, of course, has to turn her down. And that's our one twist um, toward the end because uh, Akane, the main girl. She recovers from uh, the dreaded anime cold and with her head clear, you know, she works out her feelings is like figures out that she does like Yamada and the two of them work it out and they end up together in the end. Yay, we made it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's very sweet. It's fine. I think. I'm actually am disappointed that they never really do anything with the video game stuff again. <laughs> I, I was going to say, wow. does, any, does anybody reach level nine nine nine? Like possibly the last, like they're almost almost the entire second half, they completely abandon the video game hook. Which, again, like you know, a lot of a lot of these types of shows, I might say, good riddance. But with this show in particular, I felt like that was the one unique thing they had going for them, and that they were using it like in a good way. And without that, just kind of becomes a you know basic romantic comedy love story thing and it's nice but it's just i felt like the the unique personality it had to it was like gone at that point so right. I, like the thing i would say is that i think that speaks to like um the way that uh anime and manga is made and marketed these days in that they like the author kind of used the video game stuff as a, as a trojan horse to get his romantic <laughs> comedy made you know I, I think that that's, that is, and I can't speak for the author, obviously, but that's very much to me what this comes off as hearing you say that is we we had to put in another world in a video game in the title for the, this to even get a second look, but we ditched that shit as soon as we could. Yeah, and, and again, like normally I would say, great, good riddance, but like I do feel like they made the effort to find ways to incorporate that into the story and make it make sense and kind of give it a unique flavor and just weird that they just totally ditched it. And maybe, you know, maybe uh-huh. you're right, Zig, maybe that was the, 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 the real reason, or, you know, maybe that's just the way the final episodes paced out. I don't know. Maybe they're going to dive back into the game now that they're together, but, um, G, were you going to say something? Oh yeah. I, I was just going to say, yeah, that, that is an interesting, uh, creative choice, I guess, because, as you say, right, like done poorly, right, like that sort of like add-on can feel like clunky and extraneous. But I think done well, especially if you're if you're working in a very like familiar like archetype of narrative, like a rom com, 
that stuff can almost work as a seasoning, right? Like I would say that like a lot of, you know, I, I, I am not in as deep on the rom-com stuff as you are, Jill, but like the ones I have watched and enjoyed, it feels like there's always like a thing, right? A spice, a seasoning, some sort of like gimmick on top of it that doesn't, doesn't overwhelm the story, but kind of helps like serve as a catalyst for interesting things to happen. Right. And when you get rid of that, then I guess the bones of your rom-com better be really, really strong, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I mean, to be fair, they're good. Like, I enjoyed it. You know, I didn't really have any problem with it. It was just like, it. I don't know. Like, I'm pr- I probably won't remember this show, you know, six months from now. <laughs> because it's just like, <laughs> I watch a lot of these and, uh, you know, some of them are pretty good. And this is, you know another another pretty good one i guess so um i you know i hope i hope that's not coming off as too negative like if you are into this genre like i am it's like a it is actually a, a, a really good example like i don't have four fans of it. the genre uh, but uh yeah i feel like <laughs> yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna slap it with a for fans of the genre right no I mean, I, it's 7.2 for fans of the genre it sounds yeah. a lot better than i for the fans of the genre it, yeah i mean like I, anybody could watch this and enjoy it it's just like i don't know if it's gonna blow anybody away right and, sure. and mm. I, I feel like there was maybe a little bit of potential left on the table at the end of the day which is unfortunate but Overall, you know, it's a nice story. I like all the characters. Everybody gets a happy ending, except the glasses girl. Sorry, glasses girl. I did actually feel bad for her. Uh, mm. And and, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a fun show. Um, I guess in a similar vein, Skip and Loafer. Um, yeah, that. Uh, if I had if I had to grade the two, I would still probably grade Skip and Loafer higher, uh, because I do think, even though not a lot happens in the show, of course, like I think the characters and their relationships are a lot more unique, um, mm-hmm. and perhaps even more endearing. Uh, and there's it's just a really nice show to watch, and they do attempt to throw in their little bit of drama at the end because you know. If you guys recall, the main guy, Shima, was the child mm-hmm. actor and he, he had has that, some kind that, of hidden darkness inside. Yeah, him. so so he had he has this this other girl that he worked with that got canceled because they were at a party where they got caught drinking when they were like in sixth grade. Right. I remember you talking memory. about this. And she's been holding it over his head ever since then, you know, for the past however many years. And uh you know is there, he, is there a scene is there a scene where he just goes up to her and goes, Cancelling is a real <laughs> No, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, yeah, so she she he of course has not acted since the incident because he, you know, just can't bring himself to do it anymore. But uh he finally gets talked into acting into the school play, which is legally not the sound of music. Uh and he is not playing the Nazi <laughs> kid that falls in love with the oldest daughter. Um <laughs> it's it, yeah that's one of the funny things this show has done where they they've thrown in like old like movies and stuff but they're like can't say the actual name like they went to see gone uh-huh. with the wind and yep. they could not say gone with the wind so th- this play is not sound of music totally not sound of music and uh of course not 
you know, the, the, the canceled girl gets word of this and she, she decides to show up to the school festival where they're doing the play to, I honestly, I don't know what her plan was other than it would just make everybody uncomfortable, but she take him down a peg, you know, she shows up and she's mean to Shima's very nice mother, which made me hate her a lot. And, <laughs> uh, she, and you know, he finally just, you know, I'm, I'm like, somebody has got to take this girl down. And he, of course, he's very politely tells her that, uh, you know, he deserves to be happy. And so does she. And, you know, they need to move on with their lives and everything is fixed. But uh-huh. um, and, you know, it's an ongoing story. So they kind of leave it open for more adventures to come. And that's mm-hmm. kind of it. Um, you know, I, I hope I'm not sounding too dismissive, but I mean, it's just like nothing kind of really happens. It just, I get it. Right. Like the, the, these these types of of shows. shows, Yeah. yeah, It's like describing them in a vacuum is going to make them sound kind of dull. Right. It's, it's more about like the delivery of these moments by the characters. Right. And your investment, your emotional investment in them. So describe it to three people who have not seen the show or, 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 or have not finished it or what have you. It's, it's a, it actually does feel like it actually does feel like a big deal when he comes to that moment of like, you know, I deserve to be happy. Like we can move on. Right. And no, totally. Um, I mean, like you, you're yeah. describing that and I'm thinking of like, you know, yeah. Like the Ishigami sports arc, of Kaguya, <laughs> right. Where like, um, that girl from her, his middle school shows up to, it, it is a uh, festival. It right? is not unlike and, that. Yes. It's yeah. in that it's in that neighborhood. So, um, it's, 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 it's good. Um, and yeah, I mean, this is like, this is definitely at the top of the list of like nice people being nice to each other shows. So again, <laughs> you know, if, if you're a fan of that genre, this is, this is like <laughs> as good as it's going to get. So I, I very much enjoyed it. Um, but so again, I think G, that was a good point in that this is a tough sell mm-hmm. in, in, in an audio format here, but, um, you know, if anything we've said on this show sounded good, go check it out. I do think it delivers yeah. for the most part. So, yeah. The only reason I like I didn't watch it any more of it is you're is... watching like ten other things, right? And it's <laughs> yeah. like, so I'm sure this is perfectly nice. It sounds lovely. The first episode was was very enjoyable, and I don't have time for this. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yep. Uh, all right. Let's long and uh-huh. we'll let you guys talk about Vinland Saga. This is going to be the first I've, letter, I've literally been on podcasts and been like, don't I need it? Don't, don't we need to talk about Vinland Saga? And was told, well, G does it so well that we'll just wait for him. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> well, well, this time, this time it is finally like completely yeah, over, right? over. Yeah, it so. is time to close the book. And and also, Eero, I, I I'm going to need you to be on this one because I think we do need to talk about this show and also just where it stands in its <sighs> peculiar place as an I've adaptation of a continuing story. Yeah. But let's let's focus on the anime, right? I think. Where do we leave so, off? I don't think so, I was on the last one where we talked about this. I think just as a quick recap, um, probably would have been like the for, last like two or three episodes. I think. Yes. Yeah, so I think. Yeah. With Vinland Saga, we leave off on Thorfinn and Einar finally confronting King Canute, you know, as he is known as Canute the Great, the most legendary of the Danish kings, blah, blah, blah. 
Uh-huh. And basically, you know, because King Canute is here to basically seize the lands of a uh, violently seize the lands of a vassal, and uh, Thorfinn, you know, a slave on this 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 farm, is desperate to try to stop the the violence before it escalates even further. Mm-hmm. And essentially, yes, confronts King Canute. You know, uses his old you know relationship with Canute to get an in, and, and you know, sort of like appeal to him. Through diplomacy, through moralizing, that look, man, like, does yes, it have to be this way, right? Essentially, yes. Does it have to be this way? Like, d- does it always have to devolve into senseless violence? And we get a great moment. Uh, we get a great, fantastic portrayal of the story, the the apocryphal tale of Canute and the Tides, uh, which, uh, for those who are not familiar, I was going to. Apoc- s- Oh, oh, I was just going to say, I, I was wondering when they would get to that, because like, yes. it is probably the most famous thing the layman knows about Canute. Right. Yeah. This it's, was the thing where I was like, I, even I know about this. Yes. Fantastic insight into Canute's, well, you know, both insight into the, the real king and here in Vinland Saga, insight into the character that is being portrayed, uh, you know, of Canute basically holds his hand out to the ocean waves and commands them to stop by his authority as king. And obviously Uh the tides do not stop. And Knut makes the point that, you know, he is also, but, you know, merely a mortal man. And as a mortal man, he cannot make the world a better place by himself. And he essentially communicates his ideology to Thorfinn and Einar that he will not stop pillaging and slaughtering, that he will not stop waging war on the world to create his vision of that ideal world. His belief that it is only by threat of violence and the might of his army that he has any hope to enforce a better world, one in which he can drag his subjects and enemies alike into the light, kicking and screaming. And makes it very clear to Thorfinn, the only way you will stop me is if you commit to violence yourself and overcome me with greater violence than my own. And this puts the newly uh, uh, pacifist Thorfinn in a pretty difficult spot, of course. Um, mm-hmm. and it's sort of in this moment where, where all of Thorfinn's ideals and thoughts and experiences coalesce finally into, into concrete action. And Thorfinn lays out his grand declaration to Canute that if Canute will not stop warring against the world, Thorfinn will simply run away. He will, he will run away. He will run to the edge of the world he will literally create his own country with blackjack and hookers, but no mm-hmm. war and slavery. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the idea being that Thorfinn has accepted that if he is to be a pacifist, if he is to truly embrace this ideology, then he can't stop Canute. And that he will have to accept that, and that instead he will need to go elsewhere and take like-minded people with him to a land where hopefully he can he can spread his ideology. Mm-hmm. And the absurdity of this statement, especially in the context of medieval masculinity and morality, leave Canute completely, utterly dumbfounded. Um, but the important thing it does, though, is... What, what Thorfinn does with this statement is implant in Knut the kernel of 
the question, is there another way to do this? Is there, in fact, a different approach to to creating his ideal world? And, um, you know, long story short, Knut lets Thorfinn and Einar go, seeing as they basically said, yeah, no, we're just simply not going to fight you. And um, it all it all wraps up, I wouldn't say idyllically, but it does roughly line up with the history where Knut decides to disband his armies, uh, which is a real thing that happens around this time period, uh, which the anime obviously wants to portray as like, ah, Thorfinn's like morality finally reached Knut's. I think in the real world, it's because Knut realized that paying professional armies was getting expensive. And <laughs> I mean, there's uh, was, a reason that standing armies were not really a thing up until the 15th century or so. Yes, yes. But but the idea is that, you know, through Thorfinn's, you know, moralizing through his efforts, he has he has not stopped Knut's warpath. He has not really stopped his ambitions for the world. But at least in this one place, at this one farm, uh, he manages to stop the killing. And in some regards, you know, that is... Maybe that's all we can really hope for, right? Is, you know, if if we cannot make a better world, then we can at least make it a slightly less... <laughs> a less worse one for the ones around us. And... That sort of wraps up the Farmland Saga um, storyline, you know? Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously there is, you know, some, some wrap-up where, you know, obviously Thorfinn and Einar... Uh, 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 leave with Leif Erikson. They are they are they are going to finally return home. But uh, but yeah, it's it's it. They they really do an amazing job of wrapping up what is probably the strongest arc of Vinland Saga in a really satisfying way. Um, I, I I have to give a lot of credit to 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 Mappa for the work they've done with this adaptation. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's uh, they. This is all the penultimate episode, by the way. This is the <laughs> second to last episode. This isn't even the oh, last I episode. I don't know if that's good or bad, <laughs> and, but yeah. It's really it's well, fine. like, it's, yeah. it's, it's, they, they do a great job of, like, wrapping up the story in a way that feels very satisfying. And. So why are they that, using that last episode for? For coming full circle. And this is why I actually really like this creative decision. Um, the last episode of Vinland Saga the anime is about Thorfinn returning home. And, and this episode is all about Thorfinn kind of coming to terms with all of the lessons he has learned over his whole life, you know? Because he uh, left uh, home when he was like six years old or something to yes. chase his father's killer and yes. then spent a decade killing people and then several years as a slave so he has not been back to iceland yes he has literally not been a normal human like (laughs) in in yes over a decade you know it's it's the 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 last episode kind of smartly uses the time it has to sort of like interrogate what i'd say are like the three like great messages that thorfinn was taught as a child you know, there is the first from his father who told him 15 years ago that no man is born with enemies. You know, there is the story told to him by family friend Leif Erikson, 
about a land far to the west, untouched by war and slavery, known as Vinland. And the final message from his final uh, <laughs> father of sorts, Askeladd the mercenary, the man he swore to kill, who with his own dying breath asks Thorfinn, what are you going to do for the rest of your life now that I'm dead? Like, this is what you built your entire life for, and now here I am bleeding out in front of you. So, uh, what's next? And this last episode is kind of about interrogating all three of those, you know? Like, he returns home, but he feels like a foreigner, an outsider, and he is treated as such. People, childhood friends and neighbors don't recognize him. They struggle to remember if there really was a kid named Thorfinn who lived in this village, like, 18 years ago. I mean, and this is this is also the kind of time period where a lot of people died very suddenly without yes. much explanation, right? Yeah, so. and totally, right? So it's like, and, you know, also there's the era before, uh, you know, like standardized identification, right? So everybody's like, ah, I think... I think there was a Thorfinn who used to live here, but uh, okay, if you if you are, prove it, right? <laughs> like, who am I? <laughs> you know, and Thorfinn's like, shit, dude, I haven't thought about these people in like 18 years. I have no clue. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of people in my life from 18 years ago I'm not going to remember, and that's in my adult <laughs> life, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's overall, it's a bit of a lighter episode, you know, it's, 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 you know, there's, we, 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 we meet Thorfinn's painfully hot older sister again, um, you know, uh, uh, he gets, he reunites with his mother, you know, it's the classic, like, of course, the person who recognizes him, you know, is, is his mother, who's like, I would, you know, I know those eyes anywhere sort of thing, and it's very, it's very emotionally fulfilling, you know. It's it doesn't quite hit with the same like dramatic gravitas as the penultimate episode, but it's kind of fine because like they mostly wrap up the the primary drama in 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 that penultimate episode. And so this final like episode is epilogue, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and just just to be clear, this is not the end of Vinland Saga. Right? No, this is just no, the this... end of the arc. Yes, and 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 the anime for now. And yeah, because like the way you're like. I obviously, you know, the reason I asked is that it sounds like it could be the end. You know, it sounds mm -hmm. like kind of that the characters have come full circle. So I'm I, kind of interested to to know where they're going to go forward from here. I, I think in a lot of ways, this could be the end of the anime, you know, because like the episode basically concludes with like Thorfinn coming to terms with who he has become, the man he has become over the last, like, nearly two decades of his life, right? He has he has gleefully doled out tragedy with his blade, and he has been on the receiving end while bound in chains, right? Like, his whole life has filled him with a clarity of purpose that could only be gained through the experience, the unique combination of experiences he has gone through. He He knows in his heart that the world as it is cannot be you know, that if, if if this is the world that mankind is doomed to inherit, then he must make real his own ideals with his own two hands. And he will do so by founding, you know, the Vinland colony in the New World. And it is with that conviction, it is with that clarity of purpose that he walks into the sun sunset? No, sunrise. He walks into the sunrise and... <laughs> You know, the anime ends just like that. And it's, it's, man, I, I mean, Vinland Saga, like it, I know, you know, we've <laughs> been talking about it every week like this, but it, it really is 
like one of the most compelling like stories of redemption that I feel like I've I've had the had the pleasure to to experience. Um I I've talked about this multiple times, which is like how rare it is like to have an anime or, or any story really, but especially an anime in 2023 say, we are going to spend 48 episodes like gradually exploring the interiority of a single person across decades of their life and like the slow journey to self-actualization that will take place. Like, you know, this is not to say that shorter anime don't also have compelling character arcs or character development, but like Mm -hmm. to have the bravery to commit that much runtime to really exploring it is, it just feels really special. Yeah. It must be nice when a series has the time to develop all of its themes and characters, but we'll get into that (laughs) later. Um, I, I think it's particularly gratifying because I think that um, I think that we haven't had very many memorable historical uh, anime in recent years, or at least not many that have stuck broadly to non-fantastical settings. And so I'm, I'm always pleased when something comes along that can tell human drama without too much fantasy uh-huh. intruding into the picture, so to speak. Right, barring giant Vikings throwing logs and stuff. Yeah, is, I mean, which, like, which, is, which is just sort of like these are what this is what the stories say. We all know that's not true technically, but yeah. it, it it fits with the milieu, right? right. Uh, yeah. So, um, you guys don't think there's going to be more anime? Than, I hope than... not. God. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Do as you Eros... want there to be more no. anime. <laughs> As okay. as Eros sort of alludes to there, what season two of Vinland Saga covered is the best Vinland Saga has to offer. Um, it is it is okay. it is the best Vinland Saga ever is was and will be. Uh, but does like it a... does it become bad or does it just become? I was going to say, food? is this a promise Neverland uh, situation? Mm. Uh, <laughs> I would not go as far as promised Neverland. Not that far, but, but like, same ballpark of just, like, it gets really... The the arc that follows the anime uh, lasts a very long time and is concerned with things I was not interested in hearing about. Uh, because it's yeah. chiefly about Thorfinn's past... Uh, and his legacy as a, a Viking and what all those Vikings are up to over there killing and having succession crises and stuff. And I'm just not that interested in that stuff compared to Thorfinn's journey to, uh, yeah, to create Vinland. Uh, yeah. I mean, it sounds like you, they've, they've moved past all that, right? Like, why would you go back? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Okay. That's how I felt. Yeah, I, I, manga, and, like, I, I get. I, you know, this is the thing, right? Like, I almost don't want to spend a lot of time talking about the manga, right? We're here I, to I was talk about. about I was just about to say, yeah, um, yeah. Like, I, I will, I will never stop trumpeting this anime's merits. Like, I mean, I, I'm gonna be real with the season ahead, looking this week. 
guys, it might be time for you all to catch up on Vinland Saga, all 48 episodes. Of it. Yeah, it's 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 looking like that, honestly. Uh, um, but, um, but no, yeah. it's it's you know, Eero's not wrong that like I think there's a world in which what a hypothetical season three explores could be done well, but it would never e- even the like really well adapted version of it would not match the heights of what season two uh, does. Like it's um, because season two is part and parcel of season one, like, like the two together create um, the story of Thorfinn becoming who he is. I mean, the manga literally calls this span of time that are covered in season one and season two, the prologue. It's called (laughs) the prologue. (laughs) Like it is a self-contained story about, how Thorfinn becomes the man who will found Vinland, you know? And so right. it's like, after that, it's like, yeah, I mean, I guess it is kind of a promised Neverland situation. Like, what do you do after you do the big thing that you... The thing, yeah. You tent-pulled your entire narrative on? Right. And the answer is, uh, you muddle around for a bit in the way that many serial manga do. So, well, I see I see that they were aiming for a Norse saga in length as well as content. Then, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, thankfully, you know, we we don't judge anime on the merits of their source material, right? It's 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 its own standalone thing that it sounds uh-huh. like it's very good. Um and yeah, I kept I keep threatening to to uh, hit the backlog <laughs> next season, so maybe that'll be the first thing that goes on there. I have some other ideas kicking around for backlog too, but we'll save that for next uh, next time. Um, all right. Um, do you got one more? I guess one more question. Do you think that this, this is going to be anime of the year contender? I think so. for you personally. Yeah, yeah, I I, I think. Like, Vinland Saga is not a show I fought particularly hard for when it first came around, because I knew the really good shit was going to come in Season 2. And now that it's here, and now that they've nailed it as well as they did, no, I think so. I mean, unfortunately, by default, Vinland Saga is probably the best adaptation um, (laughs) of, Mm. if not the whole year, then at least the season. So, yeah. Well, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna try to check it out. I guess my concern with with is always has always been like the first half of it does not sound very interesting to me, but I also understand that it has to happen for the second half. It's to, one of like, those situations, and and so I don't that, know, that's what know, that's what's that's kind of what's interesting to me. But yeah, well, you know, maybe we'll see. Like like Arrow, maybe you could speak to that. Like I don't, I wouldn't call season one of Vinland Saga bad. It is just no. simply. It's got a different um, focus. I I, yes. got, I I do did enjoy the sort of like because it's not all just murder and violence. Like there's a certain amount of Ashlod is scheming. You know, it's a wartime story, and so there's politicking and scheming and trying to get one up on each other in like those sorts of forms. Uh, right while Thorfinn is trying to do his thing. Like, it, I would say season one's almost more about Ashlod's uh, goals than Thorfinn's. Because Thorfinn's it's, just, it's a, I want to kill this guy! And right, Ashlod's I, just, okay, go sit over there while the big boys, you know, discuss <laughs> the state of the Danish like, invasion of England. 
Yeah, I guess that's a good way of putting it, right? Is that, like, season one is much more... I mean, yes, okay, there's obviously the, like, much vaunted Viking violence in there, but season one is definitely more, like, higher-level politics-minded. It is not as personal of a story. Like, there is not a character in season one that you necessarily attach to in the way you do in season two. But I think there's still interesting stuff to be seen there about, like, yeah, like, the nature of kingship and, like, you know how politicking is done, you know, in a, a, a monarchist society and that sort of thing. Right. Okay. Well, we'll, uh, we'll see if I get to it next season, but, uh, we, we can move on for now. So let's talk about Oshinoko, which I will yeah, note let's. is season not actually over. Season yeah. two was announced. Oh, did that to announce it? I didn't. Yeah, so yeah. it is officially happening. Sure. Uh, they haven't announced a date, I don't think, but it is happening. Uh, so I mostly want to talk about it because I don't know how you're feeling, G. I don't know if I'm going to watch season two. Wow. Really? That, wow. Uh, that, uh, that, that turned off by the end of season one, huh? <laughs> well... Okay, so turn off by the show with the number one anime OP of all time. Okay, the OT, it's a good the OP, song. Shut up. The OP, <laughs> the OP still slaps. Okay, so according fine. to the charts, yeah, the, it's a good yeah, song. I, I, yeah, people are really love that song, but uh, and it's and it's good. Um, so the the I don't I don't really have anything particularly like I didn't hate the final arc. The final arc is basically like. The show is going to be continuing, right? Yes. So there's not really any closure or anything. They ba- so they basically just go into another arc with focused on the you know Bikomachi version 2.0, which is the so, yeah the old idol group that they're resurrecting with Ai's daughter and uh, Kana, right, Ruby, the childhood actress. Ru- yeah. so, so they finished all the Terrace House stuff. Y- yeah, yes. yeah. So that so ended. the last like three or so episodes are mainly like. Focus back on Ruby again and and her storyline of reviving. And it's not even really focused on uh, Ruby. It's more focused on Kana, right? Like, right, which is... I mean, here's the thing. Like, this is where, you know, I mean, I, I've said this multiple times every time we talk about Oshinoko, but, like, damn, this show's a lot better when Aqua is not the focus of yes. the plot line, huh? Because, okay. like... Yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll, oh, uh, no, no, no. You, 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 go, you, go, you go first. Yeah, you you are correct. The, so in that respect, I appreciated having an arc that had very little to do with Aqua. I will say, a lot of people out here saying Khan is the best character and everything. I really hate that it's, it appears her only motivating factor is her crush on Aqua. <laughs> yeah, so K- Kana is a weird character because I actually really... You know, I mean, this is not, this is is not that weird to take. Is, is she the one who he saved from killing herself no 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 kana no, is the that, child actress that okay uh, yeah the, the one she, that they saved from oh, is, she's also in love with him but that's, oh yes. okay no yeah, don't she, worry they they introduced they're introducing a love triangle in the last episode so right. yeah we have that to look forward to but no no i i really like kana is the child actress who like holds herself up to like a crushing standard you know mm. who has like been a like struggling like celebrity of middling success at best throughout her career mm-hmm. you know uh classic child actress syndrome of people th- 
people perceive that she peaked early and has been, right. you know, mucking about since. And, you know, the thing that makes Kana interesting, right, is like her passion for acting, you know, never went away even after like the spotlight faded. And sort of how does, you know, how does a creative square away that like people think they've peaked, right? Right. That. That, it's like that you, they you have, care about this as much or even more than you ever did, but nobody else. But nobody else does. It yeah. does, and yeah. and I. This is the thing I struggle with because I really like Kana as a character. I I look at her and I mean, surprise, surprise, I find her very relatable. Like yeah. you know the idea that like the passion you put into something, a creative endeavor, very rarely like linearly scales with, um. Reception, Your commercial, financial success, and reception, right? right? Like, you know, yeah. and and they sort of explore this in multiple ways with Kana's character, right? Like we find out that she is in fact a fantastic singer, right? That like, oh, of the third, well, I mean, in universe, I mean, her singing's fine, whatever, but but in universe, like uh, gra- to, grading on a curve to the other two in the idol yeah, group, she yeah. is the best singer. <laughs> she is the best far. singer, right? Like when they are trying to decide who should be the center of their like idol formation, right? And Kana's like, oh yeah, I had like a middle link singing career it was super cringe everybody hated it i did this song about bell peppers that was really popular on children's television and you know she's doing the she's doing the thing a lot of artists do of like oh yeah it wasn't that big of a deal right and then you know uh uh, Mm -hmm. memcho the youtuber that they recruit to be uh to their idol group and uh, uh ruby watch some of you know kana's music videos and they're like Oh shit! This girl really knows how to sing. Wait, she's like a real deal professional, unlike us, you know. And but like, she didn't chart, you know. People, the reviews were poor, right? So, right. When you tie your sense of self worth to your creative output, not just your creative output, but also how people respond to your creative output, it creates this really dark, um, you know. Uh, uh, what's the word like? I don't know, vicious cycle, I guess. Right of like, mm-hmm. you commit harder and harder to like new creative projects and expect greater and greater things out of them, which again just does not realistically line up to how you know entertainment works as an industry. And I like all that stuff, but then as you just alluded to, Jill, the thing that really fucking sucks about. Kana's character is that her crush on Aqua is the linchpin that addresses all of her problems. Yeah. And it's a really frustrating way <laughs> to address this character. Yeah. Um it's it's really unfortunate because it it does feel like they're almost deliberately showing like that's the only thing that gets her fired up. Like, yeah, everything else she's because, you know, because she's been in the game so long, uh, you know, she's you know, she has a pretty cynical attitude toward her her job. And, you know, and, you know, somewhere in there, I think they hint that she still has some of her creative passion. But a lot of the time she's approaching it as, you know, this is a job and this is our, you know, I'm going to calculate the best way for us to be successful. And, you know, we'll see what happens. But. And, and, you know, they have to they have to talk her into being into the idol group. They have to talk her into being the center of the group. Like she has no motivation until, uh, you know, the thought of her 
thought of Aqua comes into her head, and that's the only time she gets fired up over no. anything. And and I, I I think it truly fucking sucks. Like so, honestly, yeah. like is this the kind of show that is like going to interrogate that as like an unhealthy relationship dynamic and an unhealthy work ethic dynamic? Dude, I don't even just, fucking know. Or is it like, just like so almost a joke that? She doesn't care unless Aquamarine's in the room. No, I, I don't think I don't think they're necessarily going that route. What the, we we are what, so what we are set up with at the very end, uh, the 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 show with the the other girl Akane that tried to kill herself. Uh, that show ended with Aqua pretending to be her boyfriend for the sake of publicity. And, uh-huh. but of course she really likes him like for real mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. she's also like oh yeah well let's pretend to be boyfriend my eyes are already glazing and so they, they kind of put they kind of oh, put her on oh, oh they haven't they haven't even glazed over yet wait yeah. till we find out how this 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 episode wraps up yeah so so they kind of put her on the bench for the last couple episodes while we were focused on the idol stuff right uh-huh. and then at the very end we leave off with uh, a new offer a new job offer for um a new a live two and a half d stage performance it's a stage play it's one of those japanese stage stage play plays. of like some popular shonen anime right right and uh and it's literally like not demon slayer <laughs> yeah it's like yes uh-huh. it's like off-brand uh great value stage, demon stage play stuff oh, stage yeah. play yeah, yeah. and yeah. of course all three of our love triangle get cast in this uh-huh. And not only that, but in the work itself, they are a love triangle. Mm-hmm, yes, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm, mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. is, of course, and they they show the the two girls kind of in their own inner monologue, going off in a huff on how much they hate each other because they're jealous. They're thinking that Aqua likes the other one, and you know they're going to fight it out in this stage play, which we'll all see in season two, I guess. Sounds and amazing. I'm just like, it is I like quite like, it is like the worst possible way to end your last episode. If you do, want do to you hype see, people up to keep watching. Do you see G why I'm like, do I want to No, no, going? I completely understand. I <laughs> like, I, I, the thing I struggle with, right. Is like, I, I kind of, I'm in the same camp as you gel. It's just like, there, there are just things that individually I like about Oshinoko that I think it sure. actually does do very well, and I just wish that those things were more in the forefront instead of Aqua's like super fucking cringe, like I'm fucking light with the Death Note, except you know, I'm in you know I'm in the yeah. Japanese entertainment industry, you know, yes. it's th- that shit fucking suck. Like like I mean we didn't even mention it, but like you know I just want to give a brief shout out since this might be the last time we talk about uh, talk about Oshinoko in a bit. Like we'll I even like like the bit they did with uh, Memcho, the YouTuber who is in the Terrace House um, Memcho uh, reality is, show. Memcho who is actually secretly the best character in the show, but yeah. So like yeah. after like the show wraps up, right? Like Memcho and, and Aqua are like talking. You know, they're like walking home from the after party, right? And Memcho kind of gets into like, yeah, before I became a YouTuber. You know, the thing I really wanted to do was be an idol, but, you know, for reasons, asterisk, it didn't work out right. And long yeah. story short, Aqua recruits Memcho as as an idol, and the reveal is, like, she's, like, 27 or something, 26. Right. She, yeah, she's been saying she's, like, 20 or 21 or something, right? Oh, uh, like, sure. Like, yeah. 
26 or 27 like, or something. Yeah, right? and and by idol standards. Right, yes, that's, uh, you're, you're yeah, watching the grave. Great yeah. grandma yeah. and idol standards, yeah. yes. You know, and, and the reason for that is because she, it reveals like a thing that I think is actually very relatable. She had dreams of a creative endeavor. She had uh, a passion she wanted to pursue, but the reality of her family situation meant that it was not economically viable, right? So she spends... She tells us she spent most of her teens and twenties like working, you know, like employed, yeah, yeah. like just, to survive, just surviving, yeah, just to survive and support her family. And by the time that like things got financially stable enough that she could even consider that career path, you know, she's already quote unquote past the expiration date, right? Like we are talking about an mm-hmm. industry that literally like casts like middle school aged girls right yep. like we're you know we're talking about this type of industry right where it's like oh you should be auditioning when you're 15 like yeah you know the idea of you breaking into this industry at 25 is is unthinkable and and the show actually does a pretty good job of getting into like yeah it's kind of fucked up that like there's this industry that just like you know commodity you know turns your youth into a commodity you know chews like, you up and spits you out yeah. Exactly right, and once you hit a certain age, you're old and busted. Come to and, graduate, but I mean, right. like, and that, that's that's all well and good. I like, I also enjoy that. That's also like the side char- side story of the side that's character, the right? So, right so that's what I mean, right? It's like it's like like this whole thing I just described lasted about as long as it took me to verbally describe. Yeah, it's about like podcast, two or three minutes right? of the episode. When like, right? sounds more interesting it's, than it's, what the show is. Almost that's it's, the problem. Yeah. Is this the place of do not do this cool thing? Right. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And I think that is the thing about Oshinoko that constantly makes me feel very conflicted about it is Yeah. There are these like flashes of brilliance that make me go, Wow, okay, this show is actually on some shit. And then the rest yeah. of it happens. Mm-hmm. And and, and I, I just want to go back one more time to you know the the show does not ever come back to the what we had in the first episode. Oh no, like, never! Like, like that's just complete. Not it doesn't even. It's not even trying. Like, it's just a completely different. And like, I was sold on like that level of like intensity. Is that the Trojan and, horse? Like, <laughs> like that 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 level of like intensity and drama and like that's that's what really sucked me in and even though that there are things that they do that are good, none of them are the things that I was interested in when I, when I got hooked on the show mm-hmm. in the very beginning. And no, I mean, this is, I, I'm beginning to like suspect that maybe this like hour long debut thing that TV anime are starting to do. A bad idea. Is a bad idea because. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, maybe they should just make an hour long OVI is what it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Honestly. Uh. Yeah, I mean, so that combined with the fact that what the show did turn into is primarily this vehicle for Aqua, who I hate, is like, why why am I doing this to myself? I mean, yeah, there are flashes of of things that I like. I I, I think the when they do have their critiques of the industry, you know, they find interesting ways to do that through real people, you know, like it's not just like, they're just like explaining, Oh, and then this happens, this happens. Well, sometimes they do that. But most of the time it's like, like, like them show is the example of like, okay, well, this is a real person. There's a specific case study rather than right. just how, how, to, how yeah. it affected them. And, and those, those are interesting, but again, those are like the side stories, right? Like the, 
the center story of Aqua and his quest to find the killer and which hardly gets it <laughs> like even that part of it doesn't even get screen time it's mostly him just like trying to figure out how to, how to you know how to outsmart everybody and you know i whatever. would prefer that but, honestly like at this point i don't care about aqua's acting career like i really d- fucking don't like i would almost prefer the version of this story where ruby is gonna gun bari her way to the top of idol stardom while aqua turns into this fucking weird like you know fucking mm-hmm. yeah like it's anime Hayes, detective or whatever because right. like, i mean that's the only time he's interesting is when they do emphasize him kind of being this creepy weird like obsessive like mm-hmm. and very rarely happens very rarely like the only time i can remember really is like when they were when they were talking about the cell phone flashback when he just sat there for years trying to crack the cell phone right like that like that kind of stuff makes is the only kind of interesting aspect to his character and like even in the final episode ruby's like Oh, when he's around Kana, he's like his old self again, and I'm like, ah, but no, that no, I don't want to be in his old self. I want him to the weird, like, <laughs> like messed up dude. That like that's much more interesting to me, I guess. But I don't know. Like, it's all just just not giving me what I thought we were getting, and I don't know. We'll see. I I guess it's really it's going to depend on what's going on the season that it comes back because we don't know exactly when it's coming back. But there's right. other shows to watch. I don't know. I don't know if I'm. I don't know if I'm coming back. So. Okay. All right. Let's talk one more time about Birdie Wing Golf Girl story. <laughs> it's time. The first of two shows on this list that are about standing by your cancelled wife. <laughs> <laughs> Man. On paper... So I think we I think there was only one episode left the last time we talked. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, on paper, I liked a lot of what they did. I liked the fact that Eve got canceled. Um, it's very funny, and that like literally years go by. Uh, yes, they cover a lot of ground in about ninety seconds. At the yeah. End yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Weird, <laughs> but it's just like now that I've had time hmm. to think about it. I'm just kind of sad because, like, I feel like maybe it's a bit of a wet fart of an ending. Birdie you know, Wing like... was never Bird, Birdie going... Wing flew too close to the sun and burned yes. up uh-huh. right like like the literal like the literal uh, owie yeah. made of wax melting on the golf course. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, so it, too was Birdie Wing doomed to such a fate. I think it burned mm-hmm. bright and burned out, and yeah. I'm kind of kind of sad. Um, I. Yeah, there are things about that, like, last episode that I still think are quite solid. Like, I will admit, like, I don't know why it never occurred to me that, oh, the thing they would do is have one of them caddy for the other, but that still did catch me off guard for some reason. It's not a bad um, twist. Uh, you know, like, yeah, the, like, again, yes, the the, uh, the the Eve getting canceled, of course, very funny. Just like, yeah, of course, like... Eventually, like the competitor would just be like, ah, fuck! Can I just find any dirt on this person to get them disqualified <laughs> prematurely? You know, um, yeah. Like yeah. I, you know, hey, we get one more shot of like uh, 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 Lily and her gunpla boxes, so you know, it's 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 yeah. all it's all good in the hood I, in that regard. But, I will uh, say that I have admiration that up that they did not like succumb to the obvious pressure and just do a bit where someone shoots a hole in one. They resisted yes. the most obvious trope of Somehow. golf shows, yeah. and entirely. and Eve, Eve doesn't win the tournament, right? Like, 
Well, well she, she wins, well, but she gets does. cancelled. Uh, yes, I mean, it's the very right. hackneyed she wins, but gets disqualified at the last second. Yeah. You know, hell, I even love that they finally bust out, like, what the fuck is the full name of it? You know, the their their love-love Tenkya, you know, um, like, equivalent. Sh- shining, uh, shining, shining wings. Bullet burst or like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, rain, rainbow, I don't know, shining it's rainbow so many burst. words strung together. <laughs> Yeah, um, he takes but, everyone's but yeah. golf, including her wife's, and uh-huh. yeah, right. It's 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 a, uh, and I you know yeah I think on paper a lot of that stuff works well. I think it's it's it is the right thing to do in the last episode, but also I do agree that like you know for example the the final golf lady, I. What, she how, do anything. I I really thought she'd have something like like her like, power is her power was being boring like that was her yeah her power was consistency yeah, yeah which yes. is like yeah. I don't know man it's he, just you not can that. pull off the like the the, the quote unquote normal consistency guy like in the middle of your like no here's the thing it can but... work it can work as the final boss but you need to make every normal thing they do feel superhuman right, right. you know like. She can't you know, just be consistent. She has to be consistently I mean, best at everything. Her name yes. was the lunar. They gave, they called her the lunar empress and did nothing. Yeah, with right. <laughs> yeah. It's like I was She's like an ominous she, bayonetta golf balls. Like. Right. I was like, is she gonna get powered up by the full moon? Like, is that why mm-hmm. she's so confident? Yeah. You know, she was like, don't worry, I'm gonna win on the third day. And I was like, what? Is it because the th- on the it's third the, day on, the, on the full moon, moon on the full yeah. moon rises? Are a, like, are I, you a I, werewolf? Yeah. On the full <laughs> moon rises, <laughs> my my no, muscle strength increases by one point three times. I mean, I was waiting for that, right? I think, There's yeah, rules that, like, say a, that say a werewolf can't play golf. Um. <laughs> but yeah, I think so. I think that is a thing, right? Like, Birdie Wing, like, embraced its, like, absurd, silly, like, sports anime tropes, like, down to the hilt. And I think maybe lost some of that manic energy by, by the finale here. And... You know, I can still get a good laugh out of wacky sports tropes, but you know, I can get I can get that elsewhere too. You know, like one of my favorite things was the like literally five years go by and they're all wearing the same clothes except Eve has shorter hair and like yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> well, yeah. I will say I did ex- I did I did laugh quite heartily in the flash in, in the flash forward where Eve's like I heard they cured your disease. <laughs> it's like yep, I'm all good. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, they cured great. My I felt the audacity. I felt bad for Ichida, who's like left, like left hanging for three years and has to like take a job cutting out of course. Yeah, Yeah. right. Like I, I had to take a job slumming it, caddying for like rich nobody, (laughs) making probably making you know hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, Yeah, well. It was fun while it lasted, I guess. Yeah, uh, you know, like just... another, another Birdie show. Wing is one of those shows where, like, in spite of I think its relatively weak finish, like it cannot take away from the highs were very high. Yes, you know, like the hypnotic titty sweat, the robot arms, you know, death golf, the 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 transforming golf course. Yep, all the rainbow car escape. Uh... Yes, it's it's a. Uh... The, uh, we'll always the, have those moments. I do wonder if I I just am like this is pure conspiracy theory, but uh, I wonder if somebody higher up noticed and were like, "Oh, writing yeah. in guys," because like uh, 
Iroh, you'll remember this, but like time uh, when Time Bacan 24 yeah. came back for a second season and was like suddenly awful and boring. And it was very much a, oh, you guys just made a fucking comedy show without us noticing, but now it has to be a serious educational I mean, show. This, and it just sucked all the life out of it. This yeah. is more common than you'd think. There's actually a, it's a fairly well established trend of an anime where like the first season is kind of more hands-off, you know, like the the higher-ups have kind of just signed off on a show that sounds like, oh, okay, I get it. That'll, you know, that'll do a certain amount of numbers, right? And they kind of just ignore it. And so it kind of gets away with, like, being more experimental or, you know, you know, because there's so little, like, you know, oversight. I mean, a great example of this, right, is the infamous, um, what was that show? Kimono? Kimono Friends. Friends, Kimono Friends, right? Like, I mean, I never watched it, but my understanding is that people loved the first season, and then, like, season two, didn't they literally fire the director? Yeah, <laughs> like, they, they really screwed the pooch on that one. You know, and it's, it's um, yeah, you know, I, I, can, I could see that. Like, and I could see I could see Birdie Wing almost screwed by the fact that it was delayed, right? Like, is the version of Birdie Wing that gets to air continuously, like, is it too late for the higher-ups to stop that that car, right? right. But and, and with again, all those I, delays I, in between... I've got no evidence for this. Oh, of course, at yes. All. This is you know, this is, <laughs> right. this is pure conjecture. But like, it it feels definitely like there was less of the in the second season. There was less of the deliberate, self-aware, like yeah. dumb humor. They had to, like, and, and I refuse to believe that they just like lost the ability to tell those jokes. I I wonder if you know interference or not i wonder what the creative process was like behind this they, they had to sell the uh the video game had to rein it into yeah which i don't think so. we talked about this i feel like maybe now's the time to no, mention you, it you i think you talked about it no i talked about the i know i talked about the video game at length yeah i was trying to look up because if you recall i mentioned it was very weird to me that the game just like ends before you yeah. even, like meet the pair or anything and apparently this is are they, they selling were making... the rest of it as DLC or something? No. Apparently, I, I couldn't get enough information to put all the puzzle pieces together. But the only um, trailer for the game officially is like for a, I forget which VR headset thing. Um... It's not a Nintendo trailer, even though the game is on Nintendo Switch. And I don't know if there was like it appears to me that they were supposed to be making some kind of VR game and then maybe that got scrapped and then it just sold whatever was left for the Nintendo Switch thing. Gotcha. But I don't know if you guys remember, there was also like a Metaverse museum. Yep, thing. I remember that. Yes, that was, uh... Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm saying this all to say that and this is, this is a big stretch, but perhaps there is a lot of corporate meddling in this project. Uh, so mm-hmm. maybe it would not surprise me if um, there was something to that effect. Meant to be a two. meant to be a like pointless tax boondoggle, but then people noticed it and they went fuck. Yeah, but people actually liked the first season. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't want people actually watching this. This is our, our tax haven, right? Uh, but yeah, yeah I, I I don't know. I it just. Overall, I mean, putting all that stuff aside, it's just like they—they they left so much on the table. Yeah, <laughs> we could have had so much. I mean, so much like, more. like I—I I feel like we probably owe Aqua a minor apology here because no, well, we don't. I wasn't I'm on still, that one, so I don't have anything to say about I'm that. I'm still not going to go as hard as Aqua went. Like he, he mean, went real. Yeah, he went hard, real hard. on it because, like, I still like. 
I, I yeah, I I still like like I have no regrets watching it. But yeah, I I thought it was entertaining to the end. Yeah. But but yeah, like there there was definitely kind of like a uh, they did not peak. They they sort of fell away, yeah. and that that's disappointing. Yeah, like I I didn't necessarily disagree with Aqua's points. I just disagreed on the severity of <laughs> of of it, I guess. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's a little disappointing. So I'm glad we gave the show its props last year. <laughs> Let's put it that way, because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how things are going to go this year, but we'll see. All right. Well, time for another big one. Yeah, let's talk about Heavenly Delusion, Tengoku, Daimakyo. I I think part of the problem here is that there's not really a great deal more to talk about than when we last talked about yeah, it. Yeah, so... I mean, okay. we only have the last episode since the last yeah, time. Yeah. Right. But, but I mean, even by those standards. Like, I, I do... Yeah, I mean... There are some things I want to say about the series as a whole, but we did leave off. That's that's kind of where I'm going with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, We we did leave off on the last time there was only one episode left, and we already we already talked about the big elephant in the room, which was our distaste for the creative choices made in the penultimate episode to bring in a you know. and those choices are even more baffling considering the content and of the last episode. You, I you think. can go yes. back and check the tape, Iro. You predicted exactly what was going to happen in the last episode. <laughs> um, turns word, out almost that you, word for word. You you uh, guys have watched anime before, and you know Japan's like the the weird strain of morality that Japanese media loves to engage in. I mean, and... screw Japanese media. That like media. Like, kill it's not like just it's, like it's, him. It's not like this trope isn't like super prevalent you're right, in you're Western right. yes. Yes. as well. Of course. Like, yeah. So I mean the final episode's decision to have Maru basically come in full on, you know, revenge, uh whatever, and then stopped at the last minute from killing uh what's his name? Robin, is it Robin uh, quote yeah. unquote Robin. Uh, and, and and you know everything it it only reinforced what we were saying of like yeah it felt like such a lazy creative choice the, that was yeah you know and and it's even more aggravating because again like i think there is a good scene in this show where they're like sitting by the water where they have a discussion of mm-hmm. like like how they feel about each other and Kiriko's like, would you call it gender dysphoria? I'm not even sure because there's obviously no real world analog to it. But I think that scene is good. But the problem is to justify a scene of sexual assault, you should have like multiple episodes of scenes like this. Like, and the fact that they have to, that since this is the last episode, everybody has to be happy and all back on the good road. To go, back on the road by the end of the episode is just. I- Man, it's a yeah, real I, bad choice. I, I think, yes. Yeah, so, you know, I, I, I was not here for the last podcast, but I did listen to your guys' discussion of, you know, how Heavenly Delusion decides to kind of wind down its its anime storyline, right? And the thing that is very, that, you know, unfortunately I kind of knew from a mile away is that the last episode was not going to have a lot of closure because, unfortunately, the thing that's very, like, frustrating and and in some ways mind-boggling about the creative decisions that happen here is like so obviously this is not the first nor will it be the last time that Maru and Kiriko go through some like wild upsetting experience and they go wow 
That was crazy. Anyways, let's get back on the road. I mean, this is literally how the Juichi arc ends, right? right. This is literally yeah. how the previous. This is literally how uh, the Doctor Usami arc ends, right? Like, obviously, there is mental anguish. Obviously, there is emotional trials that they go through. They do not walk away unaffected, but at the end of the day, every arc sort of ends with, "and we're back on the road." I think the difference the between problem- those two yes. is that, like, those are things that happen to other people other characters right yes. and it's like they have empathy for those characters and we can extend our empathy to those characters but like in a, they are sort of in a position where they can then move on walk and do away. something else yes. they, and, and always, and they don't f- have a choice but to walk away yes. from the others ones, yeah right? and, and also in the ju- case of the juichi arc at least they believe that that is a happy ending they are walking yes. away from <laughs> yes true. so and and i think right. that is that is the really frustrating thing about this final arc is it is a much more personal conflict here a much more like personally upsetting uh, a set of circumstances that are occurring here, and yet it is treated with the same narrative gravitas no, I, as the I previous dis- arcs. I disagree. And- I think it's treated with way less narrative gravitas than the previous arcs. Like, yeah. I mean, I guess... <laughs> yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean, like, you could argue it's almost kind of strange and upset I mean, and frustrating how... Much, how easily they seemingly walk away from this. Right? Yeah, like I like I said, I think that that one scene is good, and I could do with a lot more scenes like that. But you know, like the fact that they knew, and and again, you know, like this is a criticism of the show, but mostly it's an indirect criticism of the source material because one is indistinguishable from the other in in terms of this problem. You know, but it feels especially weird that they would like stretch to adapting that that scenario when they knew yeah. they would not have time to like do it justice in this, any this is regards. this is kind of why i kept saying i wish this anime was either two episodes shorter or two episodes longer, so longer. yeah it, right. I, I, it is, I recorded it is, you on that one on the last yeah, episode yeah. i it is it, it yeah. is as like i compared it to the first season of made in abyss but in some regards it's even more frustrating than the first season of made in abyss I, where you know, at least that show does. Even if you don't really end on a good place, there's a sense of emotional closure to the final episode. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they they resolve the thing, a conflict. Uh, yes. Yeah. And... Like in in a sense, I think that like the thing about Made in Abyss is that although it is not a narratively satisfying ending, it is an emotionally satisfying. Yes. Ending. And I think, and and I guess the, the the thing that like I I will always wrangle with. I mean, this is why even as far back as when this first got an anime announced, I struggled with talking about this is that like in spite of all this you know i can't help it there are things that i do like about this last episode you know I, again like yes they're they're riverside conversation but also you know the the, the academy stuff right like where yeah. the kids kind of break out and we kind of get this really you know in, in a lot of ways i get why they pace this episode like this and so it kind of makes it unfortunate that only yeah. one half of it really works. Because right. in yeah, the- parallel to Maru and Kiriko's uh, conversation, we get um, uh, uh, Shiro yeah. and Mimihime's uh, uh, conversation by the river, right? And yeah. it's it's very it's very sincere, right? There's there's a there's an undeniable warmth to like the way these two kids are talking to each other, yeah. right? Like and, Shiro, and who's think- I think what's frustrating is that this episode at the same time demonstrates how good the character stuff can be in this show, yes. like how yeah. much care they have done to like build their characters into rounded, fully dimensional 
people, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's 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 um, it's funny because like I most of the show I was much more interested in you know Maru and Kiriko's story, and by the <laughs> end like the end I felt the ending <laughs> of the Academy stuff was so much stronger. Like, you know, it was it was I it was I felt like they actually found a good way to kind of close the loop of like because to yeah. me to me i think i feel like the show peaked on like the the, the hospital arc or whatever we want to call yeah, that yeah right? I'd and, to and, into that. and mm-hmm. and you know having kind of showing how you know, he may and Shiro get out into the world and we can kind yes. of you know whether how much of that more of that story gets told in the future in the manga i don't know but at least for our from our end we can kind of fill in okay well at least that loop is closed we know and that this is where it started yeah and we know where for, it ended right for what it's worth yeah. the post the post credit stinger here does confirm that those segments take place in the past yes. relative to the maru and right Kiriko so style. so and we 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 got a little bit like at least we closed the loop and then if they want to fill in the rest later like that was a good totally way, I like to do that. i like even just taking just the anime, like I'm not going to talk about anything that happens in the manga. Just the just the 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 storytelling that is shown in the anime. Yeah, they close the loop on the Shiro Mimihime stuff like so unbelievably well in that last episode because you know, mm-hmm. as Iro put together, and I think as the rest of you put together, right, that Doctor Usami and his ward Hoshio are what become of Shiro and Mimihime in the future. Yeah, I and, mean, like and like. That arc on its own is already pretty emotionally hard hitting in a vacuum. Yeah. And then you get this stuff in the last episode. And like, as you say, you don't even need to know what happens to these kids going forward. But the, the bittersweetness. You already know that these two crazy kids yeah. did not make it in this mess. Are world. not going to make it in this mess. <laughs> they world. made it for a while. They made it for a while. And it fucking, it sucks. It is heart wrenching. <laughs> like, it is heart wrenching. That you know in your heart of hearts these kids aren't gonna make it. And, and yeah. like they 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 that's because like I th- I think that as you said, Joe, I mean most of us have concentrated on the on the Maru and Kiriko stuff, but they've done a good job in those in the segments we have had in the academy or whatever you want to call it. Like they've done a good job of like endearing us to these characters you know i don't think that they've totally. done a su- i don't think that they've done a super deep like dive on any of them as like complex personalities but we we know them enough to find them endearing or sympathetic or lovable totally you know and, th- and that's what's necessary for the emotional punch here and I, I so this is all to say like i think the frustrating thing with heavenly delusion is you know i'm confident like saying at least you know again not spoiling anything about the manga but like going forward from here the story doesn't lose these merits these traits don't disappear right. it's just that you have to now forever live with the really baffling creative decisions it made halfway through its run right was and, it you ivo who said that like uh, hmm? writing a sexual assault into your story should be like dropping a nuclear bomb that's what i that's that's the advice i received from uh romance authors uh right but but, like it's very solid because like you know sexual assault is something which impacts a person's entire life like it's like was i don't remember if i had mentioned this on the previous podcast but like around this time i was reading like berserk uh for the first time Mm -hmm. which heavily features sexual assault but like also t- does treat it like an extremely intense and important thing that happens to people 
And so then to have have a little delusion, treat it with a relative yeah. glibness was, yeah. was kind and of bizarre. I, I think, and if I can, you know, what, what I started thinking about was like, if we can go back to the, what I'm still calling the hospital arc, I don't know if there's a better name for it, but the, we know what you mean that like that. I felt like, you know, I, I get what I, I get thematically what the idea is. You know, this show is called Heavenly Delusion. I mm-hmm. think that if I if I'm interpreting the themes correctly, it's something to the effect of, you know, whatever your concept of heaven it is, is probably not what you think it is or doesn't exist or whatever. And that, you know, mm-hmm. perhaps heaven is the friends we made along the way, that kind of uh-huh, thing. Uh-huh. And I, you know, I think in the in the in the in that that hospital scene, like they found a way to push like they, they inched like just up to the border of misery porn, like a lot of bad stuff happens. Yeah. Right. But they, but, but they handle it in a way that is like, I don't know, sympathetic and graceful enough to yeah, where I, you I, don't I, feel like, you know, it doesn't feel exploitative, even though like it literally ends with like, sure. Shooting himself in the head. Right. Like it's, it's very dark and, uh, and, and mm-hmm. there's, there's none of that with what happens to Kiriko at all. Like, it's just like, it, it feels like what it is, which is a like bad cliched plot device. Right. It's a cliche plot device to story. show. Cause Kiriko it's, needs to learn that the past is not what you think it is. And you need to move are, on. Yeah. Like the people right? are not you need to move she, on to your new yeah. life. Yeah. And, and they've picked like the most like just hacky way of doing the it, bluntest, right? least and, subtle way to communicate that plot. And, line. and, and, and yeah. it's like, and it's, it's just, we saw that you don't have. We saw that you know better. Right. <laughs> we saw that I you're mean, capable of doing it better. It, it, there's, it's there's also frustrating here, because like, there's nothing Robin, here. That, oh, go ahead. So I was just going to say there's nothing here that regular violence would not have accomplished. You know, or yeah, like, you could find some some other way to do just, it. Right? This is yeah. like yeah. like because here's G. the thing, right? We already know Robin is fucking shady as hell, right? Because of course we see what was in that locked behind that locked door he was trying to open when Maru was chasing him, right? Like he is. He kept like what appears to be a man eater locked up in in this in this and facility. Also, like, like he's we, clearly up to bad shit. Like there were other ways to show that Robin is a manipulative, exploitative person without just relying on like the most like and I I will cliches. I will still claim that prior to this episode, I don't feel like that was telegraphed enough. But yes, once once you start seeing the but, the stuff in the facility, it's like yeah, all right. But yeah. also, we, like we know he's a bad and manipulative person because this is that kind of story and the show has so like unironically hero worshipped him up to this point that it would be more shocking if right. he weren't evil. Right. right, so that goes back to what I was saying, like, yes, that's the title of the show, right? Heavenly Delusion. Like, yeah, yeah things are not... Uh, but but it's more kind of like, it's weird that this show that has been so good, like, it's even been fairly good about writing, like, Kirukao's again, quote-unquote, gender dysphoria, and I only call it that because, obviously, there is no real word for it. There's a bunch of weird sci-fi stuff attached to it. Yeah, I apologize Mm -hmm. if that is not the correct phrase. I I get you. It's been, like, it has done a gratifyingly, like, complex and and relatable kind of series of scenes that sort of allude to that, so to speak. And then just to, like, have this ridiculous, aha, I have you now, my pretty... Shit, come along. You God, know, it, it was so bad. Like, yeah, it's 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 not only and like you know it's going to happen from the moment he comes in because like he's wearing like the creeper smile that shows up in all yeah. anime. You know, it just feels like they teleported in a segment from like a much worse, much shittier, much 
like more exploitative show and it's it's such a hard swing i think is yeah. is why it stands out so much yeah it's so fucking weird because like I, I I have talked about this with, with Eero a couple times, and I don't know if I brought it up in the podcast itself, but, like, you know, in terms of, like, the perception of a work and, like, how one feels about, like, a piece of media as a whole, like, can you still, like, love a work that, like, stays consistently good until it has one precipitous drop? <laughs> and then just incongruously returns back to the baseline level of quality that you were familiar with because like that is this is the fucked up thing about heavenly delusion speaking about what i know about it going forward from here it just becomes what you know heavenly delusion to be again after this and right like it's that's not a, like this like signals, a weird part right like like this moment does not signal the quote-unquote fall from grace of heavenly delusion this signals the like you stepped into a rake once so hard it broke your nose and knocked out six teeth right. but then you just kept on walking and and, and i yeah, think the, i i yeah, think yeah. That would not be a problem if this were just bad but it's not. It's bad, and it's like morally repugnant. That's the right. thing that's tough. Like that's the thing that like makes it really right. tough. Because like, the thing is like, if they ever announced a season two of Heavenly Delusion, it has a that hypothetical season two would have a lot of the things you guys liked about this show up until I, episode nine. Still, you think know? the show is pretty good overall. Like, yeah, like and, it's and that is you know <laughs> to to kind of steer it back towards like discussion about the final episode. Course, like, yes. part of the problem is that because they do not close this plotline, is that ultimately we are rehashing it again. And that is know? also right. Like, this is the other issue with anime as a medium. Right? Yeah. Is when I was reading this stuff in the manga. I was really upset. I was like, oh my fucking God, I can't believe it. And then I was like, well, tune in for the next chapter next month, right? And it's like, I, I'm not going to say like the next chapter gave me closure, but like the nature of like manga as a medium means that like, as time goes on, on yeah. as yeah. time goes on, it becomes smaller in the rearview mirror. You know what I mean? There is whereas, always like, the way, another chapter coming. Whereas the way anime is paced out, this will always you just have be, to sit with this for this like is the last thing we're ever going to remember about heaven. Right, right, like yeah. like generously six to nine months. You know, right. if like, they make another season, if, right, like, yeah. if they and, do, I mean, it and, could be it could be years, it could be forever. You know, but, right? And and oh, the thing yeah, is, they they had a, they, like I think that this should be the last thing we have to say about it because I think we're all fairly clear on it, but this last episode had a chance to be a mitigating factor on that and it isn't. In fact, it's arguably an amplifying factor. And that's a shame because the show is good and it's occasionally been great and I still think it is a strong contender for anime of the year. You know, we'll see when we get to that. But but the fact that it is it has so obviously like seen like like you said saw the rake lying on the ground and go let's jump with both feet onto this <laughs> yeah. is like immensely frustrating yeah 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 yep yeah it's it it's uh you know the ending is important which i think is gonna lead us into uh -huh. <laughs> our our final show to discuss here let's talk mm. about mobile suit gundam the witch from mercury um, I feel like this is 
pretty much going to be me and G sitting on opposite fences and you two in the middle trying to talk. I, I, yeah, do you guys really? Do you guys really feel that differently about it? I mean, these two crazy kids made it in this messed okay, up world. Okay, yeah, that's all so, that matters. Okay, that's so, true. so, all right. Before we get into any debates here, I think yeah. we all agree the show needed more time. That's what we've yes, been saying yes. this whole I mean, time. Of course, mm-hmm. like I, I, I feel like this is like the most obvious. Yeah, and we've been saying I, this whole time. Uh, I don't think we really need to get back into that, no. but yes, that is the one thing we definitely all agree on is like, like I, I guess the 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 if there if there is a debate to be had here, like the core of it is essentially, and and I get into this in my final thoughts post that yeah. I've written on theglorioblog.com. <laughs> and you should uh, read that, it. It's very good. That we all agree the show needed more time. I think where where we fall is like. How much more does it benefit from that additional, or, or how much did it lose from not having more time? I think is probably the better way right. to to think about it. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, I guess we might as well talk about the ending first before we talk about our overall thoughts. Um, <laughs> so yeah, let I mean, Mjolnir press the stop war button. <laughs> yep. Calabar uh-huh. gets a sick upgrade, but doesn't actually yeah. get the fight. Yeah. Uh, the Z wave uh, goes across the universe, and the Gundams get together and shoot their gay rainbow waves. Gu- at the, Gun- that Gundam Caliban activates. Yeah, uh, Gundam Caliban activates the moonlight butterfly, and then in brackets, gay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, <laughs> the original moonlight butterfly is pretty guy. Um, <laughs> it's just. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sure. and Eri get cool new pocket pals. They have the best Tamagotchi in the world. Yes. Uh, uh, Prosper yeah, ages 25 that, years in the Navi, space yeah. of a couple of months. Uh, I, I guess, yeah, I guess, you know, if we want to get into, like, the specifics of this ending, right, like, it is essentially, you know, it is the show making a lot of it is making an effort to try to close up as many of these plot lines right. as it can you know we have suleta and murine's relationship finally like them you know recognizing their affections for each other it is suleta confronting lady prospera about you know her mission of revenge it is prospera being confronted by the literal ghosts of her past about you know where this journey has <laughs> this journey since the prologue has taken her it is about God, it's about so many things. We get uh, the Shadik, like Shadik takes the fall somehow to protect Um, all the others, you know, which shows he wasn't such a bad guy overall, despite the fact that he commanded his squad to massacre a bunch of school children. Um, uh, 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 um, Cecilia Dote uh, becomes (laughs) Cecilia Dote brackets business version. Yes. Um. (laughs) It turns out the kid with the harrow didn't have you know, didn't have a dark secret after all, and also he might be going out with Choo Choo now. Like, well, we'll see uh, about that. Or was but, it? Uh, um, and and we got Harrow's with guns. Yes, yes. Har- yes. We gave a Harrow a gun, upgrading <laughs> yeah. the G Witch Harrow to now the most dangerous Harrow in the Gundam franchise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think. <laughs> um, well, maybe short okay. of the Harrow that helps Uso pilot the V two in victory, but. <laughs> You know. Okay. Does so, the co-pilot count? Does, mm. does the co-pilot also get the kill count of the pilot? <laughs> okay. So, can I can I lay out my case first? Okay. All right. Okay. All right. So, quite a lot of this uh, finale made me go, "Oh, this is kind of like the end of Gundam Unicorn," uh, 
which is about the deadliest insult you can possibly. I know. I cannot. I I could barely stand for this. <laughs> so look, like you'll all, have to like, explain for those of sh- us who don't know what the ending of Gundam so, Unicorn is. But yes, the Gundam shoots rainbows and space magic fixes everything. And look, like I know, despite the fact that Gundam is like the archetypical real robot series, there has always been an element of space magic in yeah. it. Axis yeah. shock, sure. but. This is well. That's different for reasons I won't go into. But like, but like, this really does kind of feel like they pressed the stop war button and everything was fixed automatically. You know, I mean, I think p- part of this, like, part of my dissatisfaction with this ending is stuff that is that has been brewing for a while, and part of it is creative de- decisions they make on the bounce. I think the stuff that has been brewing for a while is just that the Space Union Guild, whatever those dudes are, just kind of came out of nowhere and aren't remotely satisfying as, like, a final boss. You know, I I think that we know nothing about them. We have barely any grasp of what their motivation is here. You know, they're basically just, just a plot device to get everybody to team up to fight off, you know. Um, I, I think that... I think that there is not enough consequence in a lot of this ending we don't like prospera gives up and we don't really know why like why does she stop her evil plan she just kind of does like and and, loves her daughter Uh, i mean uh, the argument i see being made for prospera's actions right is that prospera She's also kind of there, beaten at this point too, right? Well, like, it's also, there, there, there is an that, undercurrent. Her actions suggest a woman who would stop when she knows she is beaten. Right? <laughs> no, but okay. So the argument I have heard about Prosper's actions in the finale is that one of the things that again the show would have really benefited if they had spent more time on it is that if Prosper simply wanted to kill Delling. She had him dead to rights like multiple times in the yeah, show. Yeah, and right? and, like, and she, the reason she doesn't pull the trigger is because Prospera does not want to kill Delling. I mean, that would be very nice. What Prospera truly wants is the complete and absolute dismantling of the Benaret group, right? No, that, it's, that, she, no, that's not what she wants either. Like, she wants the data storm to extend. Well, yes, that too. Like, yes, of course. But, like, the, the point is, like, the dismantling of the Benaret group is only because that is the only way that this thing will be allowed to exist. You know? Right. And, and, like, she... The thing is, she's kind of a non-factor in this ending. Like, she's kind of completely irrelevant to what happens. And like, there's a ver- there's a way you can do that deliberately and like make it a statement on on her character. But I don't think this is deliberate. I think she just sort of, like she just sort of disappears from the plot. Also, she should be in jail. Come on, she should absolutely be in jail. She did uh, get off pretty clean for the amount of war look, crimes she committed. She but... deserves she deserves to see her children's grandkids. Does she? She's killed a lot of people, including her own daughter, like six or seven times over. All right. So (laughs) here's the thing. Like, everything you've thrown at at G-Witch is largely valid. In fact, I I recognize and I write about this in my post that, yeah, dude, the structural integrity of this ending is (laughs) fractured at best. And, and, and you know, I'm, I'm being a bit facetious, but yes, for effect. But you you get I, where I'm coming from. But here's the thing: like you compare, you know, which from Mercury to Unicorn. The real reason Unicorn falls apart isn't 
I mean, it is the space magic, but arguably it, it isn't the space magic. Yes. And, what and makes Unicorn fall apart is its complete, like, cardboard cutout of a main character with yeah, a completely well, hollow ideology yeah, well, we and a core thesis. We, we cannot litigate Unicorn again. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here to... Look, look, no, no, no. I'm not here to litigate Unicorn, oh, no, but I'm here gonna, to bring yeah. up the failures of Unicorn and why... I don't think that they apply to G Witch quite yeah. in quite the same way. Is that and like Unicorn is an emotionally hollow story? Yes, absolutely. Like, and and I will say that my comparison was mostly like mechanical and visual. Yes. And and those I totally recognize. And I think the reason why Witch for Mercury, at least for me, like broadly, you know, scores in the positive, right? It clears the bar for me. It 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 becomes the rare Gundam I can say I like. Is there an asterisk attached to that? Of course. There's an asterisk attached to almost every Gundam I like. But it still ends up being one of those because of the strength of that emotional core, right? Like, I I agree, the ending has a lot of structural issues to it. But also, I think the show really never loses sight of the thing that anchors it, anchors it which is Suleta and Miorine. And I think, like, throughout the whole run... The show, for better or worse, makes the choice to jettison a lot of this stuff to make sure that that core piece of the narrative kind of holds it together, you know, to yes. to the finale. And, and, and I think I think you're absolutely right about that. And I furthermore think that is the correct creative decision under these restrictions. Like, I think obviously the real answer is Ichiro Okochi should have written a story that could fit in 24 episodes. Like, of course, I think that it, like. <laughs> Yeah, I, that, that is probably it, the thing he should have actually done. Yeah, because the world. I, I would just, I would just, I just want to tack onto that point real quick. Like, I do think this story could have been told in twenty four episodes. There's a lot of things that probably could have been trimmed down. Yes, like uh, all the like different factions and everything. Like, like just give me a good guy and a bad guy, and we're yes, like, no, we're I, 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 I'm, as as effective as it was, I might have cut all the stuff on Earth. Like. I, I would have at least, I mean, I would have cut out, like, Pale and Grassley as factions altogether. Yeah. Like, just yeah. fold, like, if you want to keep Shadik around, just fold him into the Banera group as a whole. Like, yeah. like the, the inter-corporate stuff just does not yeah. hold up in the long so run. So, I, 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 I still think it would have been better expanded yeah. with more episodes, but I think, like you said, if the plan was that you could have planned it out to fit into 24 episodes better. Yes, but, but I think in the world where you don't, where, you know, Okochi chooses not to. <laughs> I like the things he decides to focus on, you know, like it's, it's, I, I, you know, here's the thing. I don't really have like a good rational, like these are the bullet points that explain why G, which is yeah. good. Actually, it's more just the emotional feeling I get. And, and I think, that, it. I think that's also absolutely true. I think I like this show a lot more than like disproportionate compared to its, you know, quote unquote, objective quality like it is a very likable show it is it has yes. great characters it has fun goofs it, it is a really really lovable show and and that, that is more important than any right. um and the the thing i want to like bring up like that i i i you know i, I have thought about it over the last week of like why do i give which for mercury such a generous reading because Here's the thing. There's a lot of bad Gundams out there where if you gave them a generous reading would actually come out looking pretty solid. Um, there are people out there who unironically love Iron-Blooded Orphans. 
there are people out there who think that unironically it tells a very compelling story about like child warfare and working class struggle and and you know legacies of like how technology impacts legacies i, I think these people are why wrong. they would i understand why I think, they would think, say that but i think they're wrong yes i think they're insane but i get where it comes from and yeah. i thought wait am i becoming that person for g witch and i think the reason why i find my stance on this show more reasonable is that <laughs> i think with its limited screen time i think the witch for mercury does like a way better job in in the fleeting scenes it does have of talking about the like higher minded stuff that I've come to love about Gundam, you know. Ah, um, see I'm- now now this is this is an interesting point of comparison because actually I think one of my issues with the show is that that it doesn't really like one of my issues with it is that it doesn't really do enough of that. I don't think that it has like a strong moral or like um uh, what's the word? I can't. But like, thematic. I don't th- thematic something like that, you know. But I, I don't think that it is, it is high minded enough some of the time. So I, Maybe, I would, I, um, but... yeah, I, I would, I would probably agree with Zig on like the the bigger concepts, but I, I would probably agree with G on the like the relationship stuff. I wanted to mention, um, to that point. So there, I don't know if you saw G. There was a comment on your post, and uh, I, I'm yes. not calling this person out. This was a perfectly valid point, but they said something to the effect of, you know, even the stuff with, you know, Suleta and Mirina did not get a lot of screen time, and they didn't feel like that was even flushed out enough, and they just dis- kind of disagree with that point, and that got me thinking because I, di- I didn't agree, but also that is correct. It doesn't get a lot of screen time, and I'm like, I was thinking about it, and I feel like. Yes, we don't see them talking on screen a lot, but I feel like the moments we get are like big enough tent poles where I think they're very well done. Can like, fill in our brain yeah, can kind like, of fill in the rest. Like, like obviously they talk. The show too. relies quite heavily upon we will establish this thing, and you got to kind of work a little you, bit, right? Yes, you gotta fill and in we'll establish this thing, and we'll wink at you, and we'll say, look. We don't have time and you're going to have to look at these pieces and yes, use your brain to fill in the rest because we don't have like they're we're not going to be able to show you actually show you these things. Mm-hmm. And I, guess, I don't and know like, if I like necessarily like that all the time, but I understand it, it might not be the best way to do it. But I, I that's kind of the best explanation I could think of as to why it still kind of worked for me. OK, so I guess like, this actually. Yeah. OK, My, uh, if we, we, we can maybe like, OK. That, that, that is a good example, actually, of, like, what I'm talking about, I guess, more on the relationship angle than necessarily the world building of, I think, like, Witch for Mercury had to rely on very economic storytelling to cross the finish line. And I think the reason why I give that more generous reading is I think broadly, this show does a better job of rewarding you putting those pieces together on your own than a lot of past Gundams have. Um, You know, again, like, you know, just to compare it to its predecessor, you know, the previous alternate universe, which is Iron-Blooded Orphans. I think that, like, the moments in which Suleta and Mio Rene get to talk to each other and, like, hash out their relationship and what they mean to each other, is the screen time fairly, fairly limited? Yes. 
Like, is there not as much texture in there as I think any of us would have preferred? Obviously so. But I think when they are on screen and when they are talking, the show is making the best usage out of that time. And I say that because I want to compare it to like what is meant to be the core relationship of Iron-Blooded Orphans, which is between uh, Mikazuka, uh, Mikazuki and Orga, right? Like, you know, uh, uh, just as a quick flash, you know, just as a quick re- uh, recap, uh, Orga is sort of the older brother figure to Mika, who is the, the Gundam pilot in Iron-Blooded Orphans, who is a traumatized child soldier. And this idea is that like, despite wherever, whatever darkness these two may go on their journey, um, in the show that they they are like bonded, you know, they're soulmates, right? They trust in each other implicitly. Right. Then but the show never really got into that. It does I, I, like, I feel like I spent the whole run of that show saying, when are they gonna like dive into this relationship? And, and they the never most do. You, the most you get is like a quick flashback of they were being mugged in an alley or something and killed the right. guy and then both decided to take on the world or something but yeah and it's like that's a show that had double more than double the runtime of of which for mercury and can't even like put together a single compelling relationship across its entire 50 episodes and so I think it's for that reason that I do give Witch for Mercury a lot of rope because knowing it doesn't even have half that time, it still did like it still did it's it still did things that were so much more emotionally resonant. Right. And so even if like yes, it is standing on shaky ground, like yes, the the beams are barely holding the ceiling up. Yeah, and it doesn't and, and it, it does it so, so well at least to me yeah. that I I do want to give it you know, I, I do. I, I can't help but forgive it. I guess. Yeah, and I I think you know, sort of taking a big picture approach. I think you know, which from Mercury is perhaps. Um, I I think it reflects the greater trend in both Gundam itself, but also in anime in general towards more character focused empathic storytelling you know because like i think you know the the great and the good of gundam in the past have been very ideas focused shows you know even like you know i love uh amuro and shah and noah and all of those guys you know but sometimes those characters are more ideas than people if that makes sense and you know i i think the tradition of Gundam has been to sacrifice individual characterization to for a greater scope of message or idea or to kind of convey the overall theme. And I think, and don't take this as a pejorative because it's not meant to be, uh, but Witch from Mercury is more of a touchy-feely Gundam show, if you know what I mean. It is It is a show that is focused more on characters on the individual quirks of those characters on the humor and the drama and the and the inherent um sort of humanity of those characters but that does mean that you get less of kind of like the very kind of like high-minded space opera stuff and that's always going to be a balance right you have to you know you are trading in some of one thing for some of another thing i mean the joke is always that like in some of the best known gundam series and scenes right that the people do not actually act like people right they act like completely (laughs) incoherent messes um and i think the people here are much more human but i you know the sacrifice is perhaps that they are not not 
uh, pieces on a chessboard in the way that some some classic Gundam shows treat their characters as. Does that make sense? No, I, I get it, and this is why. Like, it does not surprise me that you know the reception to the Witch for Mercury has been like, I mean, undeniably popular for sure. Like, I mean, you only need to like look at the ways people talk about the show to know it's doing well. But also. There is an equally loud uh, dissenting voice in that room, right? There, there are a. I mean, look. I, we let me before I get into this. Let me be clear. I am shunting out the entirety of the bad faith arguments here, right? Yeah. I am. I am cutting out the uh, female protagonist, woke Gundam game. Yeah, all that shit. All those, yeah, yeah. all those people do not even deserve a voice in this room. Yeah. Like even I, ignoring I think, them, there are valid criticisms of the show. Yeah. There are people who are like, "This is barely a Gundam," you know. And to them, I. You know, if you have been a fan of this franchise for as long as some of us have, I do get where that emotional reaction comes right. from. But but also Gundam has been so many different things already, right? Exactly. Like it, it has it was always like Gundam was always an a, a umbrella commercial. for a lot of different ideas. You know, I, I think um you know, not to kind of just rehash my point, but I, I, I think the thing which strikes me and my major critique of the Witch of Mercury is that it doesn't necessarily feel like it has an overriding theme or idea. You know, and and I think so. I, I, I well, yeah. Give, give me a second. You can respond in a second. You know, but <laughs> I, I think, I think you know. To me, that gives it a little bit less identity like you know if you think about the classic Gundams you know like original mobile suit Gundam is about you know the how popular movements can be co-opted into you know space fascism and you know the danger of personality cults you know uh, Zeta Gundam is about how heroes can become villains and villains can become heroes you know Gundam Wing is about how how many like bad things can these four boys say before we realize they're bad people um, <laughs> five, uh, sorry five um but, five, yes. but like jo- joking aside you know yes. um like I I think that I think that you know I I, I think that the most enduring theme i get from which from mercury is you know love conquers all and i think that that's a and you know i i think that again that is a more modern more it's very it's very it's it's very soft compared to like the the sort of theses gundam has put together yeah and and Um, you know i i think that you know there is definitely an argument that the old style gundam show was very cold and aloof and kind of you know viewed the conflict from a thousand you know a thousand miles above you know sort of a di- the story was a dispassionate god who like wiped pieces off the board and i, and I god's see- name yoshiyuki, <laughs> yoshiyuki Tomino. Tomino. yeah but, <laughs> yes. but at the same time i think there was an appeal to that and to me yes, at least yes. i think some of the like i found some of that appealing and to me if i'm making a critique of which of which from mercury i think mm-hmm. that it perhaps lacks a little of that big picture yeah. storytelling i think i think that is fair i i i'm not even looking to like argue this i i just i will push back just you know this is a more agree to disagree thing but i think yeah. that i think which from mercury does have a pretty strong central conceit which is mm. and Unfortunately, it is kind of just as soft as Love Conquers All, but I think it is important to recognize that I think the main thesis of The Witch from Mercury is about children inheriting the sins of their of their of their fathers, right, or their predecessors. In sure, this case, and I right? mean, and like, there's the an struggle to, to 
escape that cycle right. of, of revengeance. And, and, and like th- there's an argument to be made that that is the core Gundam theme, which extends from yes. the very first show through everything which go comes afterwards. Right. Like so, yeah, totally. And because yeah. I think a lot of Witch for Mercury. You know, I mean, obviously, it is about the core of Suleta Miorine. You know, again, Love Conquers All is a, you know, it's probably the core idea there. But I think a lot of that is tied into the generational trauma that I think Witch from Mercury is primarily concerned with, right? Like, you know, we talk about Suleta and Miorine, but there's also Guel, of course, right? Like, you know, almost all of the primary characters in the Witch from Mercury are people dealing with the expectations and the consequences of the actions of their family, you know, of their parents specifically, and sort of that struggle to escape that orbit. And again, you're right. It is, that is not as hard hitting. That is not as clinical as like what Gundam has said in the past about ideology and technology. But I think again, that stuff like works really well on an emotional level, you know, like it makes me really happy to see Guel become the man he is by the end of that story. I'm, Again, it's very like surface level, but you know, again, I'm very, I'm really happy that Suleta Murine made it. You know, yeah. like I was, I was so ready for this show to go full dead lesbians. You know, I was so yeah. like the moment Suleta gets into Caliban and they're like, oh, those Gundam might kill you. I was like, oh my god, because no, you know, obviously we're never gonna kill her. Like, oh, I don't know, Gundam's fine killing its protagonists sometimes. So like, if I, it were was... another, if it were a different show than the, and I mean, like, you know, this is sort of drifting back into the like. Yeah argument i was making about perhaps there is there is not the frisson of danger there but i yes i i think there's a lot to be said for that you know i i think that this show has been particularly good at conveying kind of like the kind of weird dangerous indoctrination children can inherit from their parents you know if you say so mom it must be correct and stuff like that you know and and perhaps aside from wow cool robot war is bad we now need kind of like a, a like space opera to human opera chart, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know. maybe. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and, yeah, and I, I think you know. And again, we are mostly argu- arguing semantics here. You know, yes. I certainly did not think. Like I thought that the last episode was pretty bad, to be honest. But and clearly you didn't. But I think our overall opinion of the show is fairly high. I, consistent. I would just, I would just say for the last episode, I would probably agree that it's bad but it's not the last episode's fault like it kind of that's kind of right. all they could do right like, i mean the, the, pro- the, chickens, the problems the come home to roost right the problems right. were happening way before the last episode right. so yes. uh you know what actually happened in the last episode was kind of the only thing they could do to get to the conclusion right yeah. so, so um they had time to give cal cal barn a, a big power up and not enough time to show it off right <laughs> You gotta sell those kits, man. I cannot believe I pre-ordered that fucking Gundam, and it doesn't even do shit in the last. It works. It works. Yeah, Yeah. of course it worked. Wow, cool! I pre-ordered. I pre-ordered short set, and that thing's piloted by Lauda. Yeah, Yeah, that did that suck. Um, But it is the coolest robot in that whole show. I I still like Shadik's weird freezer bot. I think that like I somebody like it didn't click for me until people started buying the high grade short set and like kit bashing it. The short set is Witch for Mercury's version of the new Gundam. It even has the asymmetric yeah, the, wind yeah, funnels. Asymmetric, like, yeah, fin funnels. Oh, yeah. man. It's such a... Uh, okay, yes. anyways. All right. The robots are cool. We get it. Yeah. Point, point B. Um, well, I, I think, you know, 
all said and done, um, I'm just going to come back to a point I made early on in the run, which I think is kind of ties into what you guys were saying. Like putting the criticism aside, this feels like the Gundam people would want in 2023. Like yes. this is the yeah. the 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 change. You know, if that pisses off old, some old Gundam fans, so be it, I guess we're in 2023 Those guys don't now. Deserve opinions, uh, you know, and and I think that you know is reflected in how popular it's been with everybody, not just you know, the people who yeah. are normally watching Gundam, which is not to say that Gundam is some like, you know, obscure franchise that people don't watch, but people who are normally outside of the people, even myself, mm-hmm. I don't normally yeah. watch Gundam. Yeah. You know, Aqua doesn't normally watch Gundam. You know, we all watched yeah. it this one yes. because it has, you know, it, it feels like the uh, a Gundam of the times. Yeah. It feels I, like I, a modern Gundam for the modern there, age. There was an undeniable appeal to this that I think, I'm fine saying no other Gundam has managed to pull off to the same degree. And I think that is worth recognizing. And I, you know, we already did our like sunrise corporate speculation minute with birdie wing, but like, I think there's, you know, so the, the byline I write for um, my post for the witch for Mercury is that I think that the witch for Mercury is going to haunt me for years. And the reason I say that is because I think I am going to be haunted forever by the what ifs of like what happened to the production of this show. Like, like did it only get twenty four episodes because Sunrise was like, oh, it's a it's a it's the gold I, Gundam. We can't. I was thinking we that we can't to you know, you. bank on that. You <laughs> it's, know, like it's, it, of all people, is Ichiro Kochi the the woke ally that we've been waiting for here? I don't <laughs> oh, know. <God. laughs> Jeez. You can't Look. say that after Nadia has happened. Um, well, that, was, was, Cable that was twenty is right there. That was twenty years ago. Maybe he's uh, you know grown as a Look, person. Mio Rene and Soleta got the rings. All right, yeah, they, all right, they, they unambiguously got married. Gay like, married. <laughs> that that is way more than we've gotten from ninety nine percent of others. Does, there, right? does, does the does the Space League recognize the marriages on in space territories? Like, uh, <laughs> It's, uh, but, but, I mean, look, if they cross the border, are they going to get arrested? The, the higher ups at Bandai cannot, like, if they are anything other than thrilled by how well this show has done, they are insane because it is, you know. Oh, they probably are now, but I think to G's point, like, oh, prior yeah, yeah, no, to the but, show coming out, was there some discussion of nobody's yeah, yeah. going to like the show? We're only giving yes, it two seasons, absolutely. right? And yeah. I feel like that's totally a valid. Uh, I mean, like, put yeah. put it this way: I think that there is a fairly high chance this could be the first show to have like a direct sequel season since Double O, which was like fifteen years ago now. So I, I would love it. I mean, I, I, I I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but I did find it very funny that the end of this, the yes. very final card of the show is like that's the end of the story, folks. There's nothing yeah, else. Yeah, it's they. <laughs> I, I've definitely seen some criticism that, like, wow, Akochi did not leave a single way out of this yeah. ending. Like, <laughs> yeah, he I, really closed the book as definitively as you could. Man, there is always one way out of these endings. Oh, that you could totally. Yeah, I mean that means nothing, aliens. Right? But it's just. Yep, that's exactly what I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> Gundam Fucking... Age is back. Gundam sucks, man. Gundam is uh... so <laughs> well, at the no, end of the day, so yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the important thing is those crazy kids made it. 
they yeah. got together mm-hmm. and i i you know maybe it's just me but like it was so it was hard for me to be mad at anything else when that's the last thing we see of the show right, right? i mean it's like just, it's, it was it was a very soft cliched ending but i'm sure kind of but okay I, with that and you know what you know. Let, let the lesbians Look, Ari, win for once Ari, yeah, yeah, you know, Aerie becoming a sassy sister-in-law <laughs> in a keychain yeah. is is very funny to me. Yes, uh, just in, yeah, yeah you know, just yeah, emotionally. I mean, again, I, I totally recognize that. Like, rationally, do I have a lot of great like rational defenses of Gundam Wish for Mercury? I don't know, but this is like the first Gundam I have watched in literally years that made me feel good being a Gundam fan. And yeah. if you're not a Gundam fan, I don't think you quite understand how <laughs> rare of a feeling that is for Gundam fans. Gundam fans I are miserable. It was very years. I, 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 I certainly recall post around when it started by the person who ended up making the I hope these two crazy kids making this most world meme. Uh, but and they were they started watching it and they were like. Wow, it sure is nice not being a Gundam fan and just being able to enjoy this show on its own merits and not constantly be worrying about the baggage of, history, of the, I mean, the that, franchise. I mean, what I will say, that's part all of... Worried. I'm having a great time. As, you know, as <laughs> I will say, as, as the person with the least amount of Gundam experience mm-hmm. on this podcast right now, like... Yeah, I think that helped a lot for me. Like, I didn't have <laughs> the emotional baggage of like, oh, well, this is that type of character, and they're going to do this or whatever. Okay, I did just, but, but I still, count- it still left me with a lot of like things <laughs> that I thought were, okay, were but problems. But I, like, I, I will count with it. By, I will counter that by saying that you did not know the true raw fear inside you when that harrow with a gun showed up. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I thought that. I just thought that was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was hilarious. Oh, silly yellow yes. smiley face with mm-hmm. gun. Mm-hmm. Smiley emoji with gun is funny. Um, yes. Yeah. Good show. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah I'm kind of in the same place with G. It's like, I, yeah, there's a lot of things in my brain is telling me that are wrong with the show, but like in my heart, like I felt good at the end. <laughs> it is a, it's very lovable. You want to like it. And I do yeah. like it. Yeah. My only critique. They mm-hmm. should have let Choo Choo kill. <laughs> mm-hmm. We can pretend that happened off screen. <laughs> you know, I'm. I would not be surprised if Choo Choo did kill someone off screen. At some she point. got an upgrade <laughs> and didn't get to do no, anything. The spoiler is that Choo Choo killed someone before the show ever started. Oh, yes, yeah, exactly. Right. Yes, Choo Choo also already has a record. She killed the original Choo Choo yeah. and took her place. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, yes, yes. You know she lured some dude into an airlock and then flushed it. Like, oh God! Yeah. But um, she just got to be nice. the Choo Choo rocket at the end. Uh, I, yes. I'm yeah. It's you know yeah. At the end of the day, I'm still going to relish these feelings because. <laughs> they are rare for us Gundam fans. I mean, I'm already looking at the future of this franchise, and I can feel the hater returning. Gundam Seed is coming back. Uh, MS Igloo is coming back. Oh. <laughs> like, I, I have mean, so what? many reasons to become a hater again. Come on, man. All right, like, this, you, this is going to be a, a very naive and stupid statement to say, but you know, those are things I'm assuming were already in the works prior to this happening. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, is there going to be some lesson learned where, oh, this was very popular? Maybe we should copy some of the good things uh, from. So, no, that's not that's not going to happen, if, is it? <laughs> if, well, if 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 we want to go more um, top down view on Gundam as a franchise, uh, just just quickly, the thing I would say is Gundam is 
a sort of slow acting franchise because it is such a giant franchise that they plan these things out years in advance. Right. right? I mean, it'll be like years the Gundam Seed any... movie has yeah, been in production for nearly ten years. Anything, you know, Hathaway is currently in production. They just yeah. wrapped up the production of the G Reco movies. Uh, there's a new Gundam Build series coming out. Like this franchise is so gargantuan that like. We, we won't see any live action like, shit. Yeah, right. Like if we see any impact from from which from Mercury, it will it will happen at bare minimum three to four years. Like, right. and I do think I, I will say again the famous last words. Even even the money grubbers at Bandai <laughs> must be paying some attention. Yeah, they have record profits, like, and that will likely influence their decision making to some degree. Yep. Like, will we actually but at, next at bare minimum would we get another Gundam with another female protagonist? Like, you know, no, I, no, I know exactly what's going to happen. Next Gundam show, everyone is a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean Cross Edge? Uh, wing like what just just like wing two like just gender bend gundam wing it's now yeah. five problematic women yeah, instead yeah. of five problematic uh, boys okay okay actually um <laughs> wait now hold on i think we hold got on. a formula we, yeah, we might be on <laughs> something with that one uh oh, well boy. all right <laughs> I think I think we need to end this since we somehow managed yeah, to mention yeah. Cross Ainge. I think that's enough to uh, know yeah. that it's time to stop. Um, yeah, that's that's gonna put a put a cap on the season. Unless anybody else has anything else to say at this point, but I think we covered it. It's been thoroughly. a pretty good one. Um, yeah. Overall, pretty good. Even like I said, even though we got a little dicey towards the end there, uh, you know. I'm going to fondly miss this season next season. <laughs> so, uh, but uh-huh. more on that next time. Um, let's uh, let's wrap things up with our housekeeping. Check us out at theglorioblog.com. Right now, we are putting all of our written first looks up for the new season. Also, check out G's final thoughts on the, the Witch for Mercury, as we mentioned. But new posts are currently coming out for the new shows. And spoiler, they're not great. Um I kind of like the masterful cat is depressed one a little bit, but I'm really scraping the bottom of the barrel just as a preview. But we'll see. There's still more shows coming out. Um, so check those out. You can follow us on Twitter at the Glorio blog. Still somehow where Twitter still exists. Um, and on co-host at Glorio, uh, I am holding off on signing us up for whatever that, that, Facebook Twitter one is oh, right. threads. Okay. threads. Yes, uh, I, I the, the blue sky. I think you need an invite, right? I don't know. Whatever. I'm gonna let them all fight it out before we jump ship to another <laughs> one. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but okay, so what if we had five problematic social networks? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, each one with their own uh, problems. But yeah, and uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean, Stitcher, and of course YouTube where you can like, comment, subscribe, ring that notification bell, all those good things. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, and we'll catch everybody next time. Prosper should be in jail. <laughs> <laughs>